Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Lucas and Vincent were not in the mainstream of gay life. I was saving body parts, such as uh, skulls. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? You have done me a great service. Now I must service you. And the drugs were, were always a, a cry for attention, for somebody to pay attention to me before I, you know, kill somebody. <laughs> You can imagine what it smells like if you go into a closed room. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to everything true crime, man on man, and macabre. I'm Sam, your master of depravity. Jared's still on a little master vacay, so I'm, uh, I'm free of my chains. Here with me today I have Naughty Nurse Chowis. Hi, everybody. And budding sociologist, Matthew. Hey there, team. I'm glad that you still have some energy, Matt, after sitting through today's movie. So this week we reviewed The Covenant. It's definitely an example of a film not quite living up to that nostalgic teenage memory. I had this pegged as like a high-budget David Dakota film, like quite tantalizing, lots of half-naked teenage boys who are really 25. But instead I got a few vague cock teasers and some soon-to-be teen idols. They are the descendants of a secret legacy. Come on, Caleb. It's not like it's going to kill us. Yeah. Granted a world of untold power. Look at that. But their darkest secret. What's that? Caleb's family history. Before me, I'd be careful. Was never meant to be shared. What is this covenant? Tell me the truth. Imagine having the ability to do anything you want. But the more you use the power, the more it weakens you. The film is probably most notable for having Sebastian Stan and Chase Crawford, who both went on to star in Gossip Girl, and Sebastian Sebastian Stan's now a, I don't know, borderline A-lister, right? He's been in those Marvel movies. He was in the Captain America films. It did moderately well at the box office, but was unsurprisingly a big hit in the DVD market. It also stars Jessica Lucas and Laura Ramsey, who were in several teen and genre-oriented films at the time, such as She's the Man, which they co-starred in together. Who remembers that Amanda Bynes classic? What are your initial thoughts about this movie, boys? Well, I was promised a homoerotic affair, um, but all I can say is that I could only count the homosexual affairs with my two toes. <laughs> okay, so maybe, maybe my three toes. <laughs> Sounds kinky. How about you, Matt? Um, look, I think numbers, as the saying goes, numbers speak a thousand words, and Rotten Tomato gave it 4%, so... That's where I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking very vapid. I'm thinking light entertainment and yeah, definitely 
a real whitewashing in this film and hope to speak to some intersectional social (laughs) justice issues, but this was 2006, so I'll be kind. It was, and we do have a person of colour in the film. How dare you diss Jessica Lucas like that? She's used as a prop, but, I mean, a very important prop, but yes, maybe your your statement has some weight there, Matt. What would you guys compare this movie to? Like, if you had to think, it doesn't have to be anything, you know, homosexual per se, but did it, like, give you, like, vibes of any other films from that era? I was getting very Twilight, kind of pre-Twilight vibes. Cross-charmed, cross-buffy, cross... There were a few... It was kind of a, a mixture of coming-of-age slash witch, kind of slash supernatural, vapid, um, surface-level soap opera drama, really. Yeah, Sally just let us down in the homoerotic department. Yeah, I, th- I think this film is very much designed for, like, sleepovers. Like, 14-year-old girls or boys... You know, people who haven't discovered porn yet, so this is the next best thing, you know. It's definitely a pastime. It's definitely a on-in-the-background on grinder hookup at 11pm kind of movie. I very much like that analogy, Matt. We do have quite a few scenes where the characters, men and women, are in, like, see-through outfits or, you know, not, not wearing a whole lot, particularly the boys. But, yeah, we never get to... Uh, we see some asses. We see, mm-hmm. we see in the shower scene, we see some man-ass. And is it... A shower scene with Sarah, the female protagonist, where she's clearly wearing panties in the shower. But, you know, you get to see... Matt did enjoy the fact that she had... This girl's kind of like the saviour of the film and she has a cross tattoo on her neck and then like a moon tramp stamp. The power of Christ will somehow prevail here. And she is that Christ. No, she was definitely wild and definitely DTF. And uh, I did appreciate in another scene the uh, there was someone not wearing panties at the bar, which I thought was... <laughs> which was an unexpected heteroerotic um experience maybe not homoerotic experience so apologies to the fans out there but um but was amusing nevertheless yes the only time the three of us laughed at the same time was there was a scene towards the beginning of the film where the boys are practicing their powers and one of them decides it'd be appropriate to uh make a girl's skirt fly up and she's not wearing any panties and they have a really bad like adr reaction from the girl she's like I have to say, though, once again, that scene didn't age very well and really technically was magical sexual harassment. So. Yes, it was, it was definitely a... And even, even the language they used, they're like, she hasn't worn pennies since she turned 12. It's like, um... Yeah, there are just inappropriate. There are just a couple of undertones here that I'm not, I'm not really sure would fly these days. The film's set in Massachusetts and follows four high school male witches. So we've got Caleb, Reed, Pogan, Tyler. They first get a taste of their powers at 13, like they can do, like weird things with their eyes and move things and stuff. But it's not until they turn 18 that they ascend into kind of like super witches, I guess. Coincidentally, our lead Caleb is just about to turn 18 and some weird shit has gone down in the town, including an alleged suicide, which may or may not be a murder. Could there be an evil force or perhaps another evil witch in town? You can either watch the film or just listen to me babble on for 30 minutes and you'll find all the answers then. We open at a bonfire with our group of students, Caleb, Pogue, Reed and Tyler, who meet Sarah and Chase, who are some new students at the academy. We've already talked about Sarah. There's another student, Kate, who's used as a plot device, but she's around. She's she's nice to Sarah. They're talking about how cute the boys are, especially Chase. He's come straight from Model Academy by the looks of things. But so the police chase after our, our main four boys, and somehow they're able to drive off a cliff and teleport their car so that the car appears behind the police officers, and they escape. Soon after this, a boy, I don't know, he has red hair. We don't really know anything about him. He's found dead near the campus. 
and a few paranormal events start taking place. We have Reed, who's kind of like our bad boy of the group, and Caleb is thinking, okay, Reed has to be behind this. He's very power-hungry, a bit of an asshole. As an audience at this point, I suppose we're led to believe that Reed is also the bad boy, but spoiler, he's not. We then have some weird PG shower scene with Sarah where she's stalked by a spirit. And it's actually kind of effective. I think at this point we were all actually hooked into the film. Can we highlight that the female showering scene was at least a PG rating while the uh, male showering scene featured at least seven or eight butts? Yes. And even a comment about several penises. We see some butts and there is a nice homoerotic comment made by one of the characters towards the school bully. So I appreciated that. We'll get to that scene. So Caleb and Poke see a darkling, which is kind of like an apparition of the dead student, the one with red hair that I mentioned before. And so they both become suspicious that something is going on. It's like a message being sent from the, I don't know, the witch gods. Caleb and Sarah start to kind of chat each other up. There's a bit of flirting going on. Dare I say we spend a little or a lot um, too much time uh, on Caleb and Sarah's budding relationship. We find out that Sarah wants to go to Harvard and that Caleb looks after his mum, who became an alcoholic after his dad became addicted to using his magical powers. That's basically the extended character development that we get here. Uh, You know, he's a nice guy trying to do good and she's a smart girl trying to do good. Caleb's dad, when he turned 18, he became a witch and became obsessed with his powers. And we assume that he's dead, but we find out, spoiler, we find out that he's just this elderly wastage of a human because he's overused his powers so when they turn 18 they get access to these powers but if they use them too much or not for good then they age dramatically so the dad's like 44 going on 96 but he's still he's still kicking he's still kicking the girls have crushes on the guys kate's got a crush on chase and then out of nowhere unless i missed something which i probably did because the quality of the film wasn't exactly holding my attention poke is like the long-haired motorcycle bad boy with a heart he starts to get jealous that his girlfriend likes chase which she does so i mean you know fair enough he's he's into his witchy intuition is in check <laughs> for reasons i already can't remember the boys end up, end up getting in a fight with the school bully at a bar this ends up being a kind of bonding moment for caleb and chase because they team up together to put this guy in his place and they share a little you know a little bro moment a little thanks man yeah yeah no problem they like to swim swim with each other. Then we have a big homoerotic scene where Chase faces off with the school bully again. This time after he calls him a fag. Chase then accuses him of having a small dick and they get into a fight. What are you looking at, fag? Thing between your legs. It's like a penis, only smaller. <laughs> they get into a fist fight and their towels. We see some asses in this scene as well. So this is kind of like what I remembered the film to be, but... It's kind of all just condensed into this one scene, which is quite unfortunate. This further earns Chase the respect of Caleb, and they make a little mandate to go and play, what's it called, shit? That football game where you, look, some sort of pub football joystick lever game thing. The turning point, I guess, is when Caleb and Chase are swimming against each other. Chase ends up winning, and Caleb hits his head on the side of the pool after he thinks that he sees... Chase's eyes turn black. Because in this film, when they use their powers, funky things happen to their eyes. Their eyes either turn gold, I guess, when they're doing, like, fun, devious magic, or black when they're doing black magic. So that's when the tide really turns. And for whatever reason, that is enough to suspe- to make him suspect 
that Pogue is right about Chase and that something is a little off about the boy next door. What do you two think your teenage selves would have thought about this movie? Obviously, as, you know, seasoned adults, we were rolling our eyes and kind of disengaging. But do you think if you had have seen this film, like in 2006, as, you know, two nubile young boys, do you think you would have gotten a little bit more out of it, at least on a hormonal level? I think on a hormonal level and as distasteful as it was, I think that American Pie would have been a more entertaining feature. More sex, more debauchery, more profanity, more action, more everything. If you did have to bang a character from the film, though, who'd we be, go- who'd we be going for? Who are you shipping yourself with? I think I had the hots for Rage, and I think my teenage self probably would have been batting over the film along with watching AFL on Foxtel. Oh, okay. Diverse tastes there. Well, you know, Reed is like the tortured bad boy, you know, and Reed was not hired for his acting skills. Reed's delivery, I felt like they intentionally in the editing room, like, removed Reed as much as possible. I'm sure he's evolved into a better actor as the years have gone on. I don't really know what Toby Hemingway has done, uh, but I haven't heard that name since, so I don't know. Whereas Sebastian Stan has gone on to be quite a, you know, successful actor, and the lead actor, Stephen Strait, has at least gone on. He was in The Expanse, if anyone watches that. So, you know, those two boys had the acting chops to take their careers outside of this film. And yeah, Chase Crawford, who played Nate in Gossip Girl, mm. he hasn't really, he's kind of like the nothing character. I don't even know what you would class his personality as. I feel like a lot of these characters, you feel like when the writer was composing the script, I think this may be written by the same person that wrote the Prom Night remake. So you can see, you know, character depth wasn't really his specialty. It kind of feels like the characters were just like, Dick, nice guy, fun girl. Fun girls, friends. You know, there wasn't really... We didn't really get any backstory or find out any ambitions about any of the characters aside from that Sarah wants to go to Harvard and the main character wants to be a good guy but is conflicted and his mum is an alcoholic. So, you know, I suppose the two protagonists are given a trait that we can hold on to, but there's not a whole lot lot going on here. Would you say it's relatable? Well, I would say when I was growing up as a young witch, um, Mm. I did have a few experiences like this. I never had to kill anyone, but I definitely cast a few um, a few demon vanquishing spells. I'm sure our listeners would like to hear a little bit more about your witch experiences. Um, well, if you notice, no one's heard from Finley since the last podcast, so I've used my vanquishing spells again. Anyone that I've dated mysteriously moves into state after we break up or is never heard from again. Sometimes I'm an accomplice. So our villain in this film has the power, for some reason, when he's you know, fucking shit up. He uses these 2006 CGI spiders to do his bidding. So they will bite and possess people. Sarah gets a call that Kate's in hospital and it turns out that Kate's been bitten hundreds of times by these mysterious spiders and she's gone into anaphylactic shock. Pogue then has a tragic biking accident. Caleb and some of the other characters end up doing some research on Chase and they find out that his parents were killed right around his 18th birthday. Suspicious much? Because that's when the boys ascend, right? And Chase, it turns out, isn't a nice guy that he's always pretended to be He is addicted to using his powers. He's hooked. (gasps) This is enough for Sarah to believe that there's some supernatural shit going on here. Because she's falling in love with Caleb, she believes him when he tells her all about the magic and how he's a witch. And together they want to help Kate and they want to stop Chase doing all his evil shit. So Chase's aim, it turns out, is to actually force the other four boys to give their power over to him when they turn 18. So I guess he's hanging around because he, you know, he's got he's to wait till these boys are legal and ready to pump out those magic, those magic feels. Caleb then introduces Sarah to his father, who I think I mentioned earlier in the episode, but he's 44 going on like 96. Looks a little like Tom Girardi now, if you've seen uh, the infamous lawyer who's been embezzling from his victims. He's aged... 
about 30 years in one year. I saw a paparazzi photo of him saying, I was like, wow, you look like the character from this film. Or Senator Palpatine in episode three of Star Wars. (laughs) Yes, strong Palpatine vibes from the dad. And luckily for... The plot of this film, and for Caleb himself, he's going to have to face off with Chase. He's turning 18 today. The gang head to the school dance where Sarah's wearing this really weird gothic, like, silk. Well, it would be gothic, but it's, like, gold. It's a really ugly colour. She was wearing her boyfriend's mum's dress. Yes, the boyfriend's mum was like, you look ravishing or something. And Sarah just doesn't even say anything. She's like, "Mm mm-hmm. It's part of a ploy to entrap Chase and, you know, stop him doing evil shit. But they're outsmarted by Chase. He gets a hold of Sarah, kidnaps her, forces her to levitate, and one of his evil spiders bites her and starts infecting her. I don't exactly... Okay, here's another part. It's never really made specific what the powers of the boys are. It's kind of like a bit Mortal Kombat-esque. Caleb and Chase just start throwing ice, energy balls, various things at each other. It goes on for quite a while. It's that kind of a, a creepy barn, which is not... And Matt actually made a good observation, though. At the start of the film, they drive past the barn, and Matt's like, that is where the finale will be. There's always, like, an extended shot of the foreshadowing final scene, I feel like, in any film, and you could definitely tell that um, something sinister was going to occur at this location later on in the film. Well, it's as if Matt was psychic, because that's exactly what happens. This fight goes on for quite a while. Chase is more experienced and str- more powerful than Caleb. So Caleb's fucked, basically. We cut back to Caleb's mom, who begs the dad, I guess, as a final wish. Uh, she begs for her husband, her decrepit husband, to donate his power to Caleb. Luckily, he does this. He transfers the power and he dies, but not in vain. Caleb then gets the upper hand and fucks Chase up. Poof, he's He's dead. Kate recovers from her spider bites. Sarah stops floating in the air and also recovers from her spider venom. And everyone's happy. We end with Caleb and a very uncertain Sarah getting into Caleb's car where he repairs the damage using his magic and she kind of has this oh fuck look on her face. Like, I think this is a little more than I'm cut out for. I don't know if she's going to make it to Harvard. I think the trauma might be too much for this poor studious girl to reclaim her life. Chase's body conveniently isn't found, I guess, to keep things open for a sequel. That sequel never came. Chase is probably still out there ready to milk some poor boys dry off their magic powers. I mean, I'm quite surprised that there potentially wasn't a sequel. It did quite well in the DVD sale market. Yeah, I guess it was probably just enough to break even because it only made $37 million at the box office on a $20 million budget. The DVD market was probably enough to just be like, okay, we'll cut our losses here. We've made a bit of money, but I, I guess it wasn't like a phenomenon like they probably hoped it would be. I would love to see the director's cut version if there are any extended um, scenes there. I do like to comment on the um, missed opportunity of the shirtless phone call between Caleb and also uh, Pogue. I think as well, in terms of a sequel, there just wasn't enough depth or gravitation towards any of the characters for kind of any fa- you know fans to want to continue to see them more. It would have been nice to see a lot more depth and backstory to um, some of the main characters. Yeah, I'm just not exactly sure what they would do with a sequel, given that, I mean, I guess we have Sarah and Caleb, who are probably going off to college together or something like that. Well, it definitely could have been. There could have been like a some sort of college massacre, you know, magic massacre or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, sadly, it was not to be. I actually feel like this film might do better if, if a, something very similar was made in 2021. I feel like they could push the envelope a little bit further. Mm. We'd get some actual boy-on-boy action. Mm. Well, look, and- I think maybe you know the right person to uh, take over this role, don't you? 
what, as writer-director. Exactly. I think Seven Minds might have some work <laughs> cut out for them. Well, look, the problem is that I, I'm not very good at writing men, so I feel like I would just... I could probably make, like, the lesbian version. It should probably be more profitable anyway, let's be real. Look, as RuPaul would say, you're getting blocked by your inner saboteur. Step out of your comfort zone. Elevate. I will try my best. I've never been one to listen to Ru, but this might be an exception. Maybe this is how I'm going to make my money. Do you think you could have brought yourself to orgasm watching this movie? As a 14-year-old, yes. It's the kind It's the kind of thing that would have gotten you would have been like, ooh, I'm looking at those guys, but only because they're like really muscly and um, mm. I want to look like them. You know, you know what it's like when you're young. I think that also um, part of what took away from the homoeroticism, well, alleged homoeroticism, is that the even the fights weren't even properly physical. They were all kind of like, you know, fully clothed and they were throwing these like energy balls at each other. Nothing, nothing ever became very like testosterone fueled and physical. They never grabbed each other by the by the arms and, you know, wrestled with each other. That's true. But we want to see men like fucking each other up, like punch. Mm-hmm. I think in the locker room, there's a part where the, the school bully and I'm forgetting his name already, Chase, I think Chase pins him to the floor and after he's commented on how small his dick is. So that's that's kind of all we get. It's like that that scene kind of embodies everything that I imagine this film to be. And back then it probably stuck out as being quite homoerotic as well because we hadn't really had... I mean, it was a different era of cinema, you know, I guess we didn't... It was, it was irregular to even have gay characters in films at the time. Yeah, well, I think the institution of homophobia was still very much, you know, alive in cinema and TV and any... Uh, you know, not even queer characters at that time, but gay characters were seen as, you know, laughable and comedic or you would die of tragedy, you know, early on. And this might be only 15 years ago, but a lot has changed in, in even the last 10 years in terms of gender and sexuality. I think, you know, race and class were very homogenous in this film as well. And I'm curious to hear what, what you both think on, on those issues. I feel like the idea of race and class is barely addressed. Sarah comes from a public school. I guess one could argue that Sarah's detachment from the kind of upper class world because she came from Boston Public or whatever. Uh, that makes her like pure and kind in comparison to a lot of the characters. I think there was definitely um, a, a symbol of class here when we can see that all of our students here seem to be at some um, well-off private school. Like the ideal American archetype, you know, grows up in Massachusetts in a very wealthy, um, you know, province. But again, I think it was just a real reflection of the time and it's interesting that we're able to have this commentary now um, because these sorts of issues could have added a lot of depth to the film, I thought. Yeah, well, I, once again, I feel like the expectations in 2006 were so much lower in terms of exploring these kind of issues. I, I would say on the tier of films we covered on this show, it's definitely on the lower tier. There isn't really anything culturally valuable about this film aside from how horror movies in the early noughties loved having heavy metal soundtracks and vague allusions to gothic imagery well i believe it was literally just maybe 97 minutes of just action 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 plot device plot device and then even any intimate moment of with characters it didn't really kind of build up on any of their background or I don't know. There was no real like spark or chemistry. It seemed. Yeah. I look. I thought it was like it was. It was very light fun. You know, it was light fun. Serviceable. Serviceable. But um, yeah, it's nothing. I'll uh, nothing. I'll be uh, you know, illegally downloading anytime soon. It wasn't a very immersive experience. It was more of a the film happens and you already forget. I mean, I tried to recap it just then and I couldn't even do it. And Jared should be back next week, so you won't have to deal with my voice being the dominant force anymore. Thank you to Charles and Matt for joining me on this uh, harrowing adventure, and maybe we'll have you guys back some other time. You will be cured. Bye, Dees! Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. 
You can find us on Twitter at SinisterCissies, Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. If you're missing Jared, you can chat him up on Twitter at Jared Bartle. That's Jared with two R's and a Y and a D. And until next time, stay sinister. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.